The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. You're tuned into Inspire FM 105.1 FM and it's Friday 26th of April and the time is 10 o'clock. Welcome to Mother's Planet, a show where there's always something to talk about. Um, we've had a long break. Um, I hope you have enjoyed the lovely break with the children. <laughs> I was actually looking forward to the children going back because I needed to find my house again. Um, I was rummaging through everything to try and find my house and actually um, get things back in order. Um, and I think the thing that I wanted to catch up on was actually getting up and getting dressed because I spent most of my days in my pyjamas. So we've been very blessed with good weather. We've had uh, lots of sunshine. So the weekend was fantastic. Um, it's a bit of a hit and miss today. We've got the sun, but there's a cold breeze, so the children are still confused as to what to wear when they head out the school. Should we take our winter jacket? Should we not? So um, I'm still wrapping my children up. Um, how are you all doing it? How Are you still wrapping your children up, or are we um, in uh, summer dresses and summer jackets? Uh, do let us know. Um, okay, so today in the studio, I am uh, lucky enough to have three lovely mothers um, that will be sharing their experience on today's topic. Uh, we have Kirsty, Safina, and Rosie. Uh, Slamlikum. Good morning, ladies. How are you all? Very well. Very thank well. You. Yes. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, did you all have a good journey coming into the studio? We did. Yes. No traffic. No. No. no we traffic. got here. No. Fine. No. Thank Very you. Quiet. And we weren't hit by any bad weather or hail. <laughs> or, we don't know today. We don't know mm. what, what the weather's going to. It could be snowing as it soon as we showers, step out. Yes. Yeah. There we go. It could be stepping out. So, we are live on air, and we are reaching out to all our listeners in Luton and surrounding areas. We are also live on the Inspire FM webpage through TuneIn, and um, we are live on the Facebook camera, which is only on myself today. Um, but we are live there. Uh, so. So there's plenty of ways of connecting to the show to listen to us today but if you can't listen in today the show is actually repeated on Saturdays at 11 o'clock um, 11 in the morning that is so you can connect to us then so as always um, I like to kick my show off with a couple of headlines that um, I think us parents will find interesting um, these headlines have been taken from uh, the BBC online health um, and it's this was a really bizarre one. I don't actually even know how to introduce this one, but it's called Sharenting. So Sharenting is the acts of parents sharing news and pictures of their children online. So this word, believe it or not, has actually been added into the Collins Dictionary. So it's now a word that's going to be actually used in the dictionary. Um, and it's debated whether parents um, should ask their children before they put pictures up of their children online. And this was stemmed from the very famous um, Hollywood actress um, Gwyneth Paltrow who put a picture up of her 14-year-old who then later replied to that saying, Mum, you should have asked me because she didn't want to be online. So um, your views, ladies, do you think our children should be asked before pictures go online? Yay, nay. Um, I was going to say, Liam, I think it would probably depend on the age of the child, okay. um, depending on whether they could give consent. Mm. But I mean, I personally think that there they would be um, grounds for an argument. I'd perhaps support that 
Mm. definitely letting them know or perhaps involving them in a discussion I think rather than depending on their age and ability etc them kind of going on social media and seeing a picture of themselves or hearing about it from somebody else like a third party that's correct so I personally advocate perhaps discussing it with your child if you can, yes. depending on their age, of that's course. Good. That's a good one. Yes, I, I like that. I think that's true. Yeah, it can just op- having an open discussion with children. So uh, the other uh, headline we have is um, NHS is to offer mums-to-be new blood tests for preeclampsia. So I don't know if you've heard of preeclampsia, um, but it's when your um, blood pressure goes rocket high and it can actually have an effect on vital organs in the body so now they're going to pregnant women in england uh, will be able to get a new blood type of blood test to check for this uh, potentially life-threatening condition so they're actually going to allow women to have these tests done before so that they can actually um pick up on it before it actually gets too late so that's probably a good one I I, I think that's quite um, reassuring for new mums because that's one of the things that probably worries us because it's always picked up much later on I just um, the only question I have is how would they pick it up earlier on because I always thought Mm. it's as soon as you're quite developed into your pregnancy and the baby's bigger and your body's not able to cope with the change that's when conditions like this get picked up so it'd be interesting to see at what stage they offer this and um when and how they're going to do this so that's something to consider that's our headlines for today so um if you did want to text into the studio and join in our discussion uh the telephone number is um 0779 so you can text or whatsapp to join in today's discussion and i do recommend our listeners to do that because um we are discussing uh, today um on autism um, and this is in light of april being autism awareness month so um i um i wanted to try and squeeze this show in before we uh, actually parted from april and entered may so we are going to be looking into this and my uh, guests on the show are experienced mothers who are very quiet at the moment but i will get them to talk <laughs> i will get them to talk i don't even think i can hear you breathe but um uh, they will be sharing their um experiences on this journey and um i'm hoping that this will be able to help some of our listeners out there so before i go into anything um i wanted to um just say that i i have exposure to autism um only through my teaching background and so in that case i've only ever known a child to have a condition which has then been recognized and it's then passed to the special needs coordinator within the school so that's my exposure so i'm hoping today i will be um exposed to a lot more and be a bit more vigilant and know how to cope or understand this uh, situation so autism um defined by good old Google, is a complex neurobehavioural condition that includes impairments in social interaction, development language and communication skills, combined with rigid repetitive behaviours. And because of the range of symptoms, this condition is now called autism spectrum disorder, which is also known as um, ASD. So because the condition can actually vary from being extreme moderate to mild um they're they're just giving it asd the name so um i would like to ask my ladies in the studio um autism um can you define autism in your own words or how it's been for you Uh, i'm and i'm putting this out to either of you whichever one feels uh feels the urge to come on first well i'd agree with your definition Mm -hmm. um and autism is a lifelong 
developmental disability. So mm-hmm. it's it's not something that can be cured or mm. that your child will grow out of. There's mm. lots of things that you can do to help your child along the way, lots of coping strategies that you can put in place, but mm-hmm. it, it's not something uh, which in our community sometimes people mm. think, uh, you know, they'll grow out of it and, mm. and, you know, there's things that you can do to, to completely eradicate it. But um, it is a lifelong developmental disability. And like you said, it's on a spectrum. So um, the needs of the child will mm-hmm. vary. And mm-hmm. um, there's um, th- there's a saying that if you've met an autistic child, you've met one autistic child because no two autistic children are the same. So, oh, okay. so, so that, you know, that. <clears throat> Their needs vary and there's lots of um, co-occurring conditions. So there's, you know, along with autism, there may be lots of other difficulties such as um, my son has, which Mm -hmm. is sensory processing difficulties. So lots of difficulties with processing um, actual things happening in his environment. Okay. Um, uh, You know, like noise and... um, texture and and um different sites like lights and music lights, and things yeah, like that okay, yeah um so yeah there's and and there's things like dyslexia and dyspraxia and mm-hmm. adhd and mm-hmm. um so so there's a there's a whole range of um needs that a child may have mm-hmm. along with the autism as so well just um just to be clear so um a child with autism or that is autistic um can have other um, associated conditions, as you said. That's um, right. So uh, it's not just the one thing that, you know, this is it. They're autistic. Autism, actually, as it says, is a is a broad spectrum which can bring on other conditions. So um, you say... Um, um, yeah, but so, I was going to pick up on that. Yeah. I've never met a child mm. who only has autism. Yes. And there are so many traits from different conditions that yeah. overlap each other, mm-hmm. which can make it a long and difficult journey to get a diagnosis mm-hmm. of not only autism, but other conditions. conditions yeah. uh, my Sons have dyslexia, Mm -hmm. um, they have Erlen syndrome, and a lot of these traits all overlap each other, and it took me numerous years. Mm -hmm. Just, you mentioned Erlen syndrome. Erlen syndrome. So I've not heard of that. No, a lot of professionals haven't even heard of it either. (laughs) Wow, okay. Um, And And this is something that you've, you know, had to as a mum diagnose yourself no i did manage to get my eldest son who has asperger so Mm -hmm. he's a high functioning autistic child Mm -hmm. he's highly intelligent and that's another misconception that children with autism are all they don't have that they don't have a brain they don't they can't think for themselves they're not intelligent yeah even the ones that are non-verbal are intelligent they are able to learn yeah they're not written off. If yeah. you're as a parent, you spend time. It's, it involves patience. Yeah. So my sons have Erlen syndrome, mm-hmm. which, again, ha- they need coloured overlays to help them read. Okay. Because the black print on a white piece of paper jumbles up. And by just simply okay. putting a coloured sheet over the top, it's a perspex sheet, means that they are able to try and wow. start to learn to read. Wow. Okay. They have pro- they have problems with perceptual processing, and okay. that is predominantly what Erlen is about. It's okay. the message that goes between the brain, the 
the eye to the brain mm-hmm. um, and they can have numerous symptoms again which can <coughs> overlay okay. um, so my sons have overlays for reading mm-hmm. my younger son looks like he might need to have colored lenses in his glasses a simple process as that mm. to try and help because he's suffering with headaches now the light is getting brighter from mm. the sun mm. um, and it's these simple things Mm. which you as a parent, you know your child Mm. and keep being persistent. Mm. Um, And in the end, you can make a huge difference by being persistent and Mm. and getting the help for your children. Children, Yeah. Um, So um, before, um, I mean, um, did you, Rosie, did you want to um, add to the autism? I mean, mean, the question I wanted to ask is... um, when you was your child in mainstream school at the very beginning uh, what were the signs what were the symptoms what was it that you as a parent picked up and thought uh, you know because uh, when i was teaching in a class of 32 children it's often very hard to think is this a badly behaved child or is this a child that actually has a condition so it was very hard for me as a teacher to understand until very probably later on that actually this child is not badly behaved is got a condition he or she has a condition so as a parent you know were your child in mainstream school before you know you thought hold on they're struggling what what, how did you identify the the symptoms or conditions you know how did you know your child had something well you know i think with our little girl we didn't really notice anything Mm. different as such i mean Mm -hmm. she's our first and only child okay we have um, other children in the extended family but there's mm-hmm. a bit of an age gap and I think mm-hmm. that myself and my husband were very much advocates of every child's difference and so mm-hmm. we're not into comparing children mm-hmm. I mean so for example with our little girl she was quite a late developer in some way so okay. at 18 she was walking at 18 months okay. and when we spoke to the GP about that that was like well it's still within the realms of yeah. normal it's just yeah. kind of within the cut-off point yeah so it was when she's about two years old I think we noticed it was her speech and okay. that's what many parents will say sometimes it's the speech that comes okay is it at the forefront in terms of the signs Mm -hmm. so again we thought maybe she's a bit of a late developer Mm -hmm. she had her developmental checks again we were kind of reassured by the health visitors that perhaps again she's a late developer wait give it another six or seven months she'll Mm -hmm. pick up so it was just one words it wasn't really kind of progressing on to what you would um, classes normal normally developing children would go mm. on to perhaps two words sentences etc mm-hmm. so then after that when she was about two and a half we mm. then went to the GP and said look we're still concerned and they then referred us to the, the developmental centre mm-hmm. but in terms of actually somebody mentioning autism and putting that into the mix it was when she actually went to nursery at about three years old mm-hmm. and it's a and mainstream nursery it was, a, it was uh, interesting you say that it was actually a resource based Oh, nursery okay. which basically I don't know if, you, if you've heard of that term before yeah. it's basically nurseries which have specialist provision to meet the needs of children with SEN okay. now when we selected that nursery ironically we didn't actually know that it was a lot about SEN oh, or, okay. we just came across it and mm. it was an outstanding nursery it was mm. in the local area mm. so we thought yes you know mm. this would be good for her okay after a couple of months in they had quite an experienced senko who had been there for quite a while yeah we had the first IEP meeting so like a progress meeting yeah. and she kind of mentioned it yeah. and I, the thing is the ironic thing is we actually have teachers in the family I've heard like my sister's talking about autism but I never quite knew what it meant it kind of conjured up all sorts of images yeah um and and like I said I never had any reason to look into it and think what is it so they mentioned it and I thought well I'm not quite sure maybe they could have a point so I kind of went away and did my own research yeah um, and I'm very much an advocate of parents trusting their instincts, like yeah. Kirsty was saying, because mm. I think it's quite a powerful thing parents have, yeah. particularly as mums, yeah. our instincts. And I think that we sometimes tend to ignore them and put them to a side. Yeah. But I think that's a mistake. I think 
you have instincts for a reason, particularly yeah. us as mums. Yeah. So I kind of went away, did my own research. I was quite fortunate because I worked in the community in a professional capacity. Yeah. And part of my jobs have been to network with other organisations. I was kind of quite proactive. So I went out and did... Um, did some training on autism and sort of found the support before I actually got the diagnosis if that makes any sense rather than wait for the diagnosis so then when we did actually get the diagnosis when she was about four years old I felt that Mm. I was in a better position it just kind of confirmed what we already knew if that makes sense so it wasn't I mean I think people often said oh you know the diagnosis it's it's a life-changing thing and I kind of thought well actually I'm okay I'm okay with this and like I say to my friends I think that different people have different reactions and I think it's about respecting that each parent I mean the way I see it's like a journey that parents go on in terms of I think I really like the way that um when you found out that this could be an option for your child your child could be suffering from this I I don't mean to say suffering Mm. but your child could be having having autism you actually didn't have a breakdown and cry and think oh my goodness why me this that Mm. you actually took the proactive step of actually going out and doing something about it but was anyone's journey different (laughs) I see Safina's looking at her like I didn't have that journey (laughs) I think for me I had days where yes I did break down and yes you kind of go through the seven stages of grief and you you know you have anger and why me and yeah. why my child and why my son and yeah. um, for us um, our son was the second child so okay. we had a comparison to our daughter okay um, and and I think that made us realize the differences from an wow. early stage okay um, and with my son right from the beginning as soon as he was born mm-hmm. he would just cry and cry you know he he cried the whole first night in, oh. and and didn't let anybody in the ward go to okay. sleep um and at home he would um in the early days he would make no eye contact whatsoever so okay. Like my daughter, you could show her toys and you could read her books and show her books and she'd look at them or, you know, she'd try to reach for them. But mm-hmm. he, he didn't have, you couldn't motivate him with anything. Right. So he, he would not make eye contact with us or mm-hmm. look at any objects or toys or books. Um and he was always a very quiet child, so he never babbled. He didn't go through the developmental stages of, of babbling. And oh. and even now, at the age of nine, he's completely nonverbal. Um, oh, okay. So he, he never learnt to talk. And um, mm-hmm. at the age of one, um, obviously, we were, we, we were highly concerned, and we did take him to the doctors. Um, and they say... Uh, the usual of boys are sometimes a little bit slower um, you know give it till 15 months and then at 15 they say give it till 18 months Um, and then at the age of two we said no we really need a referral to a specialist and he was diagnosed with um, global developmental delay so they they um, didn't want to label him with autism at mm. such an early age of two, um, but they could recognise that there were lots of developmental delays in, in mm. you know, he wasn't developing as a neurotypical childhood. Mm. Um, so, yes, he didn't get a diagnosis of autism till three, but... Uh, like yourself coming from a teaching background I could see that clearly there were needs and Mm. I had heard like Rosie said of autism but because you never really look into it until it's your child that um, that is the one that's you know has the needs Um, and so I did uh, like Rosie read and research and 
you know, go to any training opportunities that mm-hmm. were available. Um, and I would highly recommend that to any parent, you know, if they do have concerns. Um, I know it can be dangerous to Google things. Yeah, but I was just going to say, <laughs> good old Google can yeah, be not yeah, so good sometimes. Exactly, yeah. but, but to, to, to try and um, be, become aware yourself yeah. of, of, of your child's conditions. So your child, you, um, sorry to interrupt there, um, but so he was diagnosed at three. So He was diagnosed at three. He didn't go to a mainstream school? No, he, he also went to a, a different nursery, but it was also a resource-based nursery. Okay. So he, um, uh, the resource nursery had extra funding to mm-hmm. be able to provide for him. And just prior to that, he had what was called a portage worker, Okay. Um, which is a service that's now unfortunately being scrapped oh, in Luton. Wow. Um, but it was invaluable. The portage worker would so come. So somebody coming out to the it house? Would, it was a specialist, uh, a little bit like a family worker, but a, a, a specialist knowledge of uh, special educational needs, mm-hmm. a wide array of, of educational needs. Mm-hmm. And she would come to the house on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was such a valuable support in the early days when you mm-hmm. first get the diagnosis and obviously you're confused and mm-hmm. you're upset and... Uh, you know you may be angry and you may be totally lost as to where you go from here Um, and she would come to the house and help with communication strategies Mm. how to develop attention so she was there to support yourself she was yes and it was fantastic and then she then later became a link between the nursery um, and helped us prepare him for the resource-based nursery so he he was at the resource nurse nursery and then he went to a special primary school so yes he's 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 never attended a, a mainstream school as such so, yeah. I, and, and Kirsty, you're coming from a very different background yeah. here because I you have, have three boys. That's it. Yeah, with well, I, my eldest is the one that has Asperger's, mm-hmm. um, and again, being my first, mm. like all new mums, you don't think there's anything wrong with your child. I also come from a background of dealing with children, mm. which I found very useful. Mm-hmm. But again, thought like Rosie, maybe they're just a late developer. Mm. I could see traits from different members of the family. I just mm. thought he was being a bit lazy, mm-hmm. a boy. Yeah. You know, and as Safina said, he cried a lot. And now yeah. with hindsight, I realise why. Mm. Um, so we're coming from the high-functioning end. Uh, he his developmental delays were highlighted when I had my second child who was completely different and it really emphasised the point. And I'd always questioned there was something wrong with my eldest, but my husband had never agreed. Mm. And so that causes friction within a marriage when one partner thinks one thing and somebody else thinks another. And again, it sort of started to dawn on him once the second son came along. Actually, maybe I was right. And again, as a mother, you know your child better than anybody else. And you have to listen to things within your own family where Mm. people are maybe criticising and putting out. But at the end of the day, that gut feeling. And so it was only when he was three and I was going for a hearing test for my second son, I just mentioned to the health visitor Mm. and um, sort of kicked the ball, started there. You know, Mm. my husband was so anti me doing it. Mm. So I had that battle to deal with. Yeah. But I did it, and unfortunately it took me another five years to get a diagnosis. Wow. And in the meantime, he went to 
um, an ordinary mainstream nursery. Uh, he then went into mainstream education, mm. um, but was very isolated, didn't have friends. We no. didn't do birthday parties. The eye contact, even with family members, we used to tell family members, just walk in and ignore him and he'll come right. to you when he's ready. Yeah. Um, he loved being at home. He didn't like being in other environments. He liked set routines. Mm. And it was a completely alien thing to me who'd looked after numerous amounts of children beforehand, yeah. um, but just thought this is the genetic makeup. It's just other members of the family. Yeah. Um, and my reaction when I finally did get a diagnosis was one of actually relief. Yeah. And my reaction was not a normal reaction to mm. any parent. Yeah. Um, because I very much saw it as a positive. Yeah. And it was a reason why he had these problems. And once yeah. I had a reason why, I could then go and do research. Yeah. I could then start to get him to learn. Yeah. Um, and it's turning a negative yeah, situation to a positive. Yeah. Once you know. Yeah. Mm then it, that's half the battle. And yeah. then it's also knowing, it took me years to find support groups. Yeah. And Luton does have support groups and yeah. you're not alone. Yeah. And I now have huge amount of friends. Yeah. We all get each other. We know what it's like to have yeah. a send child. We're there for each other. We support each support, other. Yeah. And it's about not doing this alone. You don't need to do this alone. Yes. No. People understand you. It's, it's being proactive yeah. and joining the groups and having your voice heard yeah um and that's why we're all here because we want people to be able to understand, reach out yeah, yeah. um and to know that you're not <clears throat> alone we get yeah. you we understand it <laughs> thank you Kirsty. so we are actually um heading into our first break for the first half of the show so uh go fill your re uh, refill your drinks hot drinks whatever it is that you're drinking and we have friday giveaways so join us after the break and you could be a lucky winner Assalamualaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Mother's Planet. It's Friday 26th of April and the time is now 10.30. I'm your host Neelam and today in the studio I'm joined by three very experienced mothers um, talking about the topic about autism. So it's Autism Awareness Month so um, we are bringing this out to all our listeners today. Um, I'm also um, giving away a Friday Friday giveaways, Friday giveaways. I don't know what to call it, really. I think it's Friday giveaways. So um, to one of our lucky listeners, um, I'm going to hold it up onto the Facebook page because you can see we have a mug here with um, goodies, which is chocolate and biscuits, which is what we all mums need, um, and uh, a tea mug. And inside there, we also have the Inspire FM um, trolley coin. So they're really handy. So if you're ever short of a pound, you've got this coin to uh, help you out. So um, that is being given away to any of our lucky listeners all you have to do is text in and let me know what today's topic is about and your name and um, at the end of the show we will be getting in touch with one of those lucky listeners to let you know that you are the winner of this mug so um, hopefully we'll be getting some text messages in and the telephone number to text or whatsapp in is 0779481822 so that's what's today's topic and um, your name and full details so continuing with our 
discussion, um, I was talking to um, three lovely mothers here who have explained their journey on um, how they identified uh, the where, where their children were at and what stage. And uh, we have three very different experiences as well um, of this. And um, so we were now just talking about how it's something that um, when a lot of people uh, hear about it, they think it's a condition that you know, maybe they can grow out of or something that they can move away from. But um, as Safina was saying, that it's something that you learn as a parent to cater for them. So as they get older, you know how to manage it better. And as they get older, um, they manage better. So um, you, uh, I mean, uh, Rosie has the, the one child, so she's focusing solely on this child. But we have Kirsty and Safina who have more than one child. So how has this impacted you as a family? <clears throat> you know, having a child with Safina, you say your eldest is in normal mainstream school. She is, yes. Yeah, um, so in terms of affecting the family, um, I think to start with, mm-hmm. I'll say that... Um, most of my family still don't understand the condition. So um, I know when he was first diagnosed, um, my mother didn't really understand the word autism and I've tried to explain to her. And in a way, I I appreciate that her generation didn't have much of an understanding of special educational needs. And in fact, she still thinks that he will grow out of it. Mm. Um, You know, if I... um, read my namaz and Mm. I read certain prayers or maybe if I take him to hajj with me um, he will be cured of autism Mm. and he will be normal Um, which I know religion is uh, you know it's it's a it's a beacon of light and it's inspiring and it helps in those darkest days where you are feeling really low Um, and you have to have that belief but you also need to be practical mm-hmm. and proactive mm-hmm. and um, uh, do things yourself as a parent to help your child. Um, so there's, there's, we've had a long journey and he's only nine, so it's a, an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has impacted the whole family in terms of um, being able to take him out to places. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has lots of sensory processing difficulties, we have to weigh up whether, uh, you know, he'd be able to cope. It, it's it's always from the viewpoint of whether it will be okay for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether he'll be able to cope with the noise, mm-hmm. is there going to be too many people there? You know, mm-hmm. is there going to be uh, a disabled toilet where he we could use our radar key, you know, because he won't go into uh, the public toilets mm-hmm. because of the noise of the hand dryers. Oh, okay. um, so yeah. we have to find a disabled toilet. Is there going to be somewhere that we can get something that he will eat? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the early days, he mm-hmm. had an extremely limited diet. So even if the food, um, if it was the same food, for example, the jacket potato, if it didn't look like mummy's jacket potato at oh, home, wow. there was no way he was eating it. Yeah. Um, so, so all these things need to be considered. And obviously having a sibling um she doesn't really get a, a, yeah. a look in yeah. because it's it has to be he has his needs have to be prioritized yeah um so, which she copes with it with extremely well actually and she's um she's very caring she's uh, she has a lot of empathy for 
all children with special educational needs. She's mm. almost like a second mother to him, so mm -hmm. she's very protective of him. Mm. Um, and there are days when she wants to do something and yeah. we can't because, you know, he he wouldn't be able to cope with it. So, you know, she, she's growing in understanding with yeah. that. And so what's the age gap between the two? Uh, four years, nearly four, four years. years. Okay, yes. okay. So she's quite mature, and mm. I think um, girls naturally have this motherly instinct where they can um, sort of step back and put their own needs aside and take on the younger sibling's life and say, okay, this is so it's quite easy. But it becomes quite challenging when you're in the same gender yes. family and you've got all yes. boys. So having all boys I, I, is hats a... off to you because I just think <laughs> bringing up boys full stop is a nightmare. <laughs> It's challenging. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm. So, yeah, um, it's hard for the siblings. Yeah. Um, and as a mother, that's particularly difficult because my boys are two years apart from each other. Wow. So you're trying to bring them up in the same way mm. without... Um, it's difficult, particularly being a middle child and a middle yeah. child of the same sex siblings yeah so my middle one has struggled he's very different yeah. um and he finds it quite restrictive living in a household where things have to be of a routine yeah um he finds that quite difficult and it's also quite difficult when you have a, the eldest that doesn't behave how your average child should behave mm. because the younger ones follow suit mm. and you're then trying to explain to the young ones that's not the correct way to behave mm. and then they're saying but he does that yeah and it and it, and it does build up a bit of a jealousy yeah. um they do you do find you're trying to overcompensate for the for the siblings yeah but without you know you you've it's the juggling act it's a yeah. it's juggling act normally with three children yeah. because you want to bring out their strengths and mm. their personality without showing favoritism to one or the other yeah. so my middle has found it very difficult because i've had to pay particular attention to the eldest and the youngest yeah and it was very much about what about me oh so God. we would get negative behavior yeah um as his cry for help yeah. Um, and sometimes people think, God, he was just a naughty child. Yeah. But it is also sometimes their way of saying, what about me? me. Yeah. And negative behaviour mm -hmm. and negative um, feedback from a parent yeah. is at least some feedback. So it's really important to try and take into consideration the siblings. Yeah. Um, and then when you do pay attention to them, sometimes they're a bit thrown by it. Yeah. They don't quite know how, how to, to handle cope with it. Yeah. that. And I think in situations like this, it's very important because I know you said that there were testing times on your marriage mm -hmm. here, but it's very important to get your spouses involved mm -hmm. and get them to share the responsibility and not feel... I mean, if you your spouse works... 24-7 and it's very difficult to get them involved in daytime or holiday activities you know do you reach out to family I mean how have you managed with that you know has your spouse been supportive or yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you know I think having a supportive spouse is one of the the big things that yes. is really helpful yeah. I mean I've had conversations with parents where unfortunately that's not been the case, case where yeah. for example the mother's a bit more accepting of the fact that maybe yeah. the child has special educational needs but yeah. dad's in denial yeah. or dad and not being supportive and I agree yeah. with what the other ladies Kirsty and Safina are saying one of the most important things in this journey as I would think it best describes it when you have a child with the SEN with any kind of special educational needs whether that be yeah. autism or otherwise mm -hmm. is to have that support, support and I think that yeah. starts right from 
the right from home basically yeah. and your partner yeah so i think having them on board is, is crucial i think yeah. to be honest yeah. and i just think generally i want to say because it is a hidden disability yeah. i think being a member of the asian community i think yeah. it's vital that we have conversations like this yeah. to raise more awareness about yeah. it because mm-hmm. in terms of my extended family yes we, we have the one child so she's the only child so we don't have the aspect of siblings yeah but my experiences mm-hmm. kind of uh, mirror what safina has been saying in terms of there isn't that understanding with the older generation they do often think it is something that the child will grow out of and when you talk to people like I've talked to people in my family they're like oh we had no idea that Mm -hmm. um, we thought she was a you know a bit of a late developer or it's a speech we noticed that she was quiet Mm -hmm. but that's about it so I think it's very important to kind of point that out that is a hidden disability and I do think society in general is quite judgmental of parents uh, in general Mm -hmm. and I think when you have a child with autism because it is hidden I think often you get other parents it's sometimes it's not even what they say it's more the way they look at you or yeah. comments that you might get so I think my yeah. kind of message to people who are listening is that perhaps we as a society all need to be less judgmental of parents in general yeah. Yeah. because sometimes if you see a parent struggling with a child in a supermarket for example or they're yeah. acting in a strange way don't be quick to assume that it's, true, it's yeah. a reflection on the that sorry to interrupt we've just had um, a text come in um, from um, Ayas um, and my Islam, my son who is 16 has autism and it was a long journey through his life we know he will not be like a normal boy we know he has learning difficulties but he went to a normal nursery mainstream school and college now he has had help at college to guide him through studies but alhamdulillah is coping very well children with learning disability, disabilities need some help to cope with their condition and we need to understand their condition so thank you very much for that text and that's very important um, and it's nice to see that um, this child that had autism again they vary in levels so depending on the level of autism this child had actually went through he's 16 now so he's met he's yeah, managed and I'm to at go, that point now yeah, so, so uh, my eldest is 15 now we're about to do GCSEs next year wow, okay. so we're, we're about to transition into that whole college environment and it and it is and i'd pick up on rosie says about the cultural thing it's not only in asian culture you know um my parents were exactly the same and my mother tried to say it was something i did during pregnancy (sighs) you know you you do get a blame um, culture that goes on because there is a lack of understanding regardless of which culture you come from Um, and when we got a diagnosis I actually went and bought a book to hand to the grandparents because for them we think about it for us and our immediate family Mm. but actually they're going through a process of having to try and accept it as well so when you get a diagnosis when you live with a child with a disability there's a domino effect. And it's not just your nuclear family, it's the extended family, regardless of which culture you come from. And that's very much been the case in mine. Mm. Um, And going back on what Rosie said about the support from a spouse, my husband was very against me going down the diagnosis route. Mm. And he made it crystal clear from the very beginning. Um, It is, I don't know whether it's just partly a man thing mm. it's this this whole uh, looking at this is my son mm-hmm. and it's a it's a, a I think partly a shame thing and and mm. the blame thing that's got to stop mm. because it's not that at all and mm. once he finally realized that actually there was this diagnosis and there were multiple things he slowly came around so mm. a lot of the time I did this on my own mm. and that can have physical impact on your mm. mental health mm. and on your body so I developed 
issues, medical issues. Mm. And actually, for me, the biggest support was my team of consultants, medical Mm. consultants, who have supported me greatly through my journey and given Mm. me the strength and courage Mm. um, to go forward. And now my husband's on board. So when we came to my younger son, Mm. in school and me saying I think he's got dyslexia Mm -hmm. I think he's got other things going on Mm -hmm. my husband approached it very differently yeah and he was on board and he is the most amazing supportive father now and husband but we have had a real rough ride building to that and that again impacts the children Mm. um and it's all about a team effort, mm-hmm. a team effort at home between yeah. mum and dad, team mm-hmm. effort with the siblings, team effort with granny, grandpa, auntie and yeah. uncle. Yeah. Um, and everybody's learned something, um, you know, it's a, it's moving forward. Yeah. Um, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Be proactive. Yeah. Don't blame each other. Yeah. Work together as a team. Support each other because you will need it. Yeah. Um, and in mainstream, you need to have that patience and persistence yeah. with getting the additional help yeah. because your child is a high-functioning child. Yeah. Asperger's. And even, um, I mean, I know from my teaching background that when looking out for support and asking Mm. for help it's not I will call up on Monday and on Friday I've got the support it's a long journey so it's been quite a hurdle with you all and that Mm. that can in itself have an impact Mm. on the family just the sheer frustration of waiting or knowing where you stand Mm. with it's repetitive and it's being persistent this is it it's being patient it's following things up don't just make a phone call email yeah and that's the thing I, I would highly recommend that you Every because any time I used to make a complaint about anything, it was always make sure you were communicating via email because you have a trail. Yes. So anything that's done over the phone, it's well yes. you're going to have to start from the beginning now because yeah. they don't mm. know. So make sure you have records of what's being communicated yes. to who and how and yeah. what responses you're getting. So um, in terms of that, um, how do you ladies? let your hair down I mean do you have time out do you have time out for yourselves how because it's I mean you from the day from the onset you've been looking for signs seen the signs looked for support dealt with support had family pressure probably still have family pressure but do you do you have time out what's your time out I know that you've now got a group of um you have a, a WhatsApp group where you've got parents in similar situations. So, you know, do you meet up without the children? How do you let your hair down? It's difficult. Oh. <laughs> it is very difficult and it tends to uh, almost consume your life. Um, yeah. And because it's uh, it not just impacts your child, it impacts, you know, siblings, it impacts yeah. parents, um, extended family. So um, it, it is, in my, in my case, I had to give up my teaching to be able to support my son okay. at home mm-hmm. um, and to be able to provide everything that he needs and to be able to, like you said, write emails and mm-hmm. letters and, uh, you know, go to meetings and training, etc. Yeah. So so it, it does tend to take over. Um, but it is very, very important that you have time out. You mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll try and meet up for a coffee and we'll 
try and discuss other things apart from SEN but um, Mm -hmm. you know it is difficult and I think it's important for mothers to make time for themselves and maybe you know do something therapeutic Mm -hmm. you know some yoga or join a gym or you know there's all the colouring therapy and you know maybe an art class or something that will help them to because the the mental health and the well-being Mm. of the parent is extremely important to be able to look after your child you have to first look after yourself so you're able to look after your child Um, and just going back to um, getting your partner on board and getting dads on board can I just mention that there is a dad's support group in Luton um, that dads uh, of um, children with autism can attend and mm. maybe we can uh, signpost at the end of the programme to, to different support groups. Mm. Yeah, OK. So, yeah, I mean, um, it is live on Facebook. So if you just let me know, I can get it um, posted up on Facebook. And again, um, uh, we are live on air. So if you uh, we have had a couple of people text in. But if you have any questions to any of the mums about mm. how they've coped, mm-hmm. what they're doing, where they're going, please do text into the studio or WhatsApp in on 0779-481-822. I see that number every Friday. Friday, but I still have to look <laughs> because I have no I think the first time I did this I nearly gave my home number away so I have to be really careful about how and what number I'm giving there so that's that so um, yeah, yeah I just uh, want to say I uh-huh. I agree 100% with what Safina said yeah. I think it's really important particularly as mums that we mm-hmm. do have that me quote and unquote time whatever that mm-hmm. means for you yeah. well with the linchpin of the family exactly. and if something happens to us mm. it's a domino effect exactly. again to everybody yeah. else and I think well, that yeah. uh, sometimes as mums we can feel a bit guilty I think I think we're all we all kind of experience this where we feel we have to be with our children 24 7 and yeah. I mean I don't think that makes you a better mum just because you're with your children all the time just that's, that's just in general yeah. I think particularly with children with SCN you need that downtime you yeah. need people where you can have a bit of a moan to and yeah. offload to yeah. that are going to understand you that's that are going to validate your yeah. feelings and it. then the therapeutic aspect of it even if that is grab somebody who you trust and say look can you look after the children for like I don't know half an hour yeah. I just want to go I don't know down As to see my friend yeah walk down as the exactly that's my therapy and I want to say it's quite important to say that I think it's important as parents of SEN or parents of children with autism that we celebrate those little things even though it might not be a big thing going down to the supermarket child free Free. is like you're going on holiday and it sounds really strange to people who don't have children with SEN I mean we do that and it's it's, it's, it's those things that other parents take for granted like if my my little girl has sensory processing difficulties like Safina's son Mm. so the fact that she gets fully dressed and goes to school is a big you know thumbs up up is a cause for celebration yeah. so I think it's, it's about celebrating all those little achievements yeah. but definitely I think having that me time is, is crucial yeah okay yeah so I mean it's um, the the question I wanted to ask is uh, I mean uh, a few weeks ago I did a show on um, reprimands and rewards so do, do you have similar situations you know do you have things set up at home with your children to say okay you know this is your reward chart you know has that worked or well have I think you mine because ha- I'm coming at it from the high functioning mm. end as well yeah. uh, yes mm, um, okay. I ha- because it took me so long to get a diagnosis yeah. and I had other children after that so it, he was just brought up the same as them yeah um, and then obviously once I got the diagnosis, mm-hmm. a lot of things went, ah, right, that's why we have these problems. Yeah. But for us, my uh, eldest son's special interest is technology. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I really need him to pay attention and not repeat a mistake, mm-hmm. um, it's a technology ban. Yeah. And the extent of that depends on whether he repeats 
Mm. Um, and for us, now he's in teenagers as well. So now mm. we have the hormones kick in Gosh, as well yeah. as the whole Asperger's side of things. Mm. Um, it's a very important one for us, yeah. you know. And, and again, being highlighted is that these children are highly intelligent. Yes. You know, he built a computer from scratch at wow. 14 and wow. did it within two hours. Yeah. Um, they find a way of learning. He couldn't read properly, but he found a way to research all the parts and saved up his money wow. and he bought it. Um, and my kitchen table is full of these parts and within <laughs> two hours they formed a computer. Wow. You know, and that's yeah. at a 14. And that's amazing because... It, you know people often as we were saying earlier in the show for anyone that didn't catch that bit that people think that children with yeah. autism or Asperger's yeah. they you know they're not very intelligent so yeah. they sort of shun them aside but actually you know they well, they are the, the specialists yeah so they go into things like IT they are the people that design things yeah. that none of us would think of doing yeah. they, and he is the technology was in our house yeah you know, we have a problem. How do we do this? He sorts it. Well, I need my, to have him come over my to my My friends house. do. <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. But then you have to say, don't touch anybody's technology. Yeah. Don't reprogram yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I know. But, you yeah. know, we have actually no concerns about his future in terms of job Where prospect. Go, yeah. Because he has such a highly specialised interest. Mm. Um, he knows what he wants. And because of that, his learning difficulties, his determination is yeah. four times more than your average child. And yeah. the same with my younger son. Yeah. Those two know exactly what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and even though they have to work four times harder than your average child, yeah. they persist at it. Yeah. They have a, a determination mm. that they will achieve because they know they are supported. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies. So um, I think it's time to ask, you know, um, how, uh, how, what advice would you offer somebody that's, you know, I think we had um, a text come in from um, uh, um, um, uh, Yars earlier on, and um, it was, you know, research and find ways of supporting your child. Um, so, you know, what advice could you offer to our listeners, you know, what's available? Because it's, it's something. It's quite a taboo subject. It's mm. not something that's daily dis discussed, and it's not something that everyone brings to the dinner table. That, but you know, it's something that is becoming very common now, and um, it's misdiagnosed. Um, it's missed. It's if you're not a proactive mum, if you just think actually, you know what, so and so is saying that this is just your child growing up. Because I mean, both all three of you, the medical experts here said to you it's part of their growing up. Because mm. I mean, I remember my son. He um, wasn't talking, and they just said, you know, he will grow out of it, and he did. He did grow out of it, and so he followed what their bubble was, you know, mm. of how. how of how they see children but yours didn't and you took that instinct and gut feeling and mm -hmm. took it forward and you you were always constantly watching your child and doing things so what advice would you offer anyone that's new to this all? i think you've got to yeah. go with that instinct mm. and yeah and if you have concerns um then go and see somebody medical go to yeah. your gp get a referral um and and push for a referral because it takes yes yeah. um because you know um it takes time, like you said, to, to mm. see a professional and mm. waiting times in Luton, um, uh, you know, can, 
can be quite long yeah. and so getting a referral is is extremely important and that diagnosis can help your yeah. child so it can mm. open doors to support and uh, and I know that there is sometimes some denial amongst mm. parents and they mm. don't want a label for their child so so go for that diagnosis get some help um, support for your child um, training be proactive yeah. build a support network so a support network is and I just want to say I think it's key that I think sometimes parents worry they think it's a label I think what's more important is that your child gets the support that they need yeah. at the end of the day yeah I think okay. yeah and I think the thing is with the persistent side of things you uh, need to be persistent you will be turned away repeatedly mm. quite it, often particularly if you have a high functioning child mm. but it is that persistence it is that patience that is that gut, gut instinct and when you finally get that diagnosis mm. it's a positive yeah I just want to say lastly, so it's, a, it's a lifelong condition, but there's a lot that you can do to help you. And there are people out there who want to be with you and help okay. you. You're not Thank alone. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.